The scripture comes from Genesis chapter 10, and I'll be reading from verse 31 through chapter 11, verse 9. These are the sons of Shem by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. These are the clans of Noah's sons, according to their lines of descent within their nations. From these, the nations spread out over the earth after the flood. Chapter 11. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and he stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And this is God's word. Good morning, everybody. I want to officially welcome you to our worship service. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm incredibly thankful to be able to share God's word with you today. And so I want to wish everybody a happy new year. I know that 2020 has been a tough year for, for all of us. And uh, my hope and my prayer that this upcoming year can be a year of, of just peace, a year of thankfulness, and a year of joy. And so um, as we enter into the new year as a church and as a community together, um, we're going to dive back into our sermon series. And of, of, our, of Metro's core values, and today we're gonna continue to look at the core value of creativity. And we're looking at the story in Genesis 11, the, the Tower of Babel. And so quickly, I'm just gonna summarize the, the chapter or the passage that we read today. And we see the descendants of Noah, the descendants of Adam, the descendants of mankind have, have come and were journeying and they settle east uh, in a plain in Shinar. And, and you see the people of Babel, the, the Babylonians are, are building a city and building a tower. Um, and, and you see God coming down and, and confusing their one language. And so um, we're gonna look at three things today from, from Genesis 11. We're gonna look at our purpose, we're gonna look at our problem and we're gonna look at God's solution. So our purpose, what are we called to do and why? Our problem, what is it that we actually do? And God's solution. And so first we're gonna look at our purpose. What is our purpose? What are we called to do and why are we called to do it? Last week we saw in Genesis 1 that, that God created the universe, God brought order out of chaos, and he created man to reflect his image, to reflect his goodness, to reflect his character, and to reflect his mission of building his kingdom. And so God created us to, to reflect him in a very deep and intimate and personal way. And so he created man to delight in his creation and to delight in God. And so man was called to, to be in relationship with God, to, to worship God, and to build his kingdom. And so he, he created us to reflect his pattern of work in creation, but he also created us to find rest. God himself worked and, and he rested. He had a pattern of work and rest. And so 
God creates us, creates man to, to reflect that pattern. And God also gives us what we call the, the cultural mandate to be fruitful, to increase in number, to fill the earth and subdue it, rule over all the creatures. And so what is God doing there? We, we see in, in God's command and in God's mandate that God values diversity. In his creation, what does God do? God created the animals of the sea, the animals of the air, the animals on the land. He created man and he created woman. And so we see that God actually values diversity. He didn't make all his creation the same, but he made it distinct from one another. And so we see in his cultural mandate that he gives us a purpose. He calls us to reflect his image. We, we're image bearers of God, so we're called to be in relationship with God. We're called to worship God, and we're also called to build his kingdom. And so we're given a purpose, and here in Genesis 11, what do the people do? Here in Genesis 11, the people are traveling east. And anytime we see in the Bible of, of a people being described as traveling east, we know that, that the people are actually moving further away from God. That the people are actually moving further away from his presence. The people are actually running away from, from what God has called them to do. When we look back in Genesis 3 and, and we see the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, what happens Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, rebel against God, and it resulted in them being sent out of the garden. Adam and Eve didn't trust in God's authority and goodness for them. And so because of their rebellion, because of their distrust, they were casted out. The Garden of Eden represented God's presence, God's dwelling place with, with mankind. And so the Garden of Eden was paradise. Man, man was in relationship with God. Man was worshiping God and man was, was building for God's kingdom. And yet because of their rebellion, they were casted out. They were sent out east of the garden. And after Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden, God places a flaming sword at the entry of the garden so they cannot re-enter. And so ever since man was casted out of the garden, they were traveling, looking to come back into the garden. But in their journeying and in their traveling, all they would end up doing was moving further away from God's presence. They lost their access to God. Man lost their access, lost their relationship with their creator. And so because God is the creator of man, God, God created us to reflect his image we owe obedience to God. But because of our disobedience, we lose our access. Because of our unfaithfulness, we lose our relationship with God, our creator. Now look what the people do next here in Genesis 11. They say, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Do you see what the people are doing here? They're actually mirroring what God said in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, God says to himself, let us make man in our image. But here in Genesis 11, the people, the Babylonians say, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. What the people are doing here is they're using their resources and their ability to create 
but not to create good things, not to create things that, that have life, but they create to do what? To build a city, to build a tower, to make a name for themselves. Where, where God creates in Genesis 1, he creates life. He creates things that are animate. He creates things that are celestial. But the people here in Genesis 11, what are they doing? They're creating inanimate objects. They're creating things that don't have life. In fact, the things that they create to advance their life actually take away from their life. They make bricks by, by burning them and shaping them so they could be used to build their city and build their tower. Now, something interesting about this verse is we see that the people in Babylon are actually here building with bricks instead of stone. And so we see creative innovation here. Stones were, were found and, and gathered, but they had rigid and rugged edges that weren't flat. And so if you were trying to stack stones on top of each other to build a building, there was only a certain limit that you could actually build with stones. But here in Genesis 11, the people actually build with bricks. They bake them thoroughly so that they're flat and they could be molded into the shape that's necessary in order for them to, to build tall structures, to build a tower that would reach the heavens. And so do you see what the people in Genesis 11 are doing? They're given the ability and the resources to create, but their ability and their resources aren't used for God's mandate and command, but they're used to build their own kingdom. And so our purpose as image bearers of God, we're called to reflect his character. We're called to reflect his goodness. We're called to worship God. We're called to be in relationship with God. We're called to build his kingdom. And yet we do something completely different. This comes to our second point, our problem. What is it that we actually do? What, what is it that the people in Genesis 11 are actually doing here? We see that the people in Babylon have an ability to create. They say, come, let us build a city and build a tower that reaches the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. If we build a city, if we build a tower, then we'll be known. Then we'll be recognized. Then we'll be somebody. Then we'll have a name. Do you see what the people are doing here? They've forgotten their name. They've forgotten their purpose. They've forgotten their identity. They've abandoned their purpose and they've abandoned their creator, the one who gave them a name. The people in Babylon completely dismiss God's mandate and command to them. God created us to build up his kingdom, but instead we create to build our own kingdoms. Now, here in Genesis 11, where the people say, come, let us build a city. Why a city? Why, why are, are cities so polarizing to us? What, what does the Bible and what does God have to say about the city? We tend to think that, that the city is bad, that, that the city is dangerous. Bad things happen in Philly. But what does God say about the city? In Revelation 21, the apostle John has a vision of Jesus' second coming, Jesus coming back down to earth. But Jesus doesn't just come on his white horse alone. He brings with him a city, the new Jerusalem. 
And so all throughout the Bible, we see that God values the city. Here in Genesis 11, why do the people, why do the Babylonians build a city? They're traveling and they're traveling east away from God, separating themselves from, from their relationship with God, from, their pre, from God's presence in their life. And they build a city, why? Cities in ancient culture were built to keep the danger out. Cities in ancient culture were built to isolate a group of people and to keep the threat of their lives away from their life. And so they're completely going against what God commanded them to do. God commanded them to, to increase in number and fill the earth, to scatter, to reach the ends of the earth. But what do they do? They settle. They settle and they build a city, they build protection, they build security for themselves, and they block out any threat or any danger that they feel will, will threaten their life. And so what God is saying is that we value cities, but cities aren't made, meant to be built to keep people out. They're meant to, be, to bring people in. And so we see that here in Genesis 11, the, the Babylonians, they build themselves a city to separate themselves from the rest of the world, to disregard God's command and mandate, to exclude themselves from others, to isolate from danger, and to be set apart from the world. You remember God values diversity, but what are the people doing here? They're separating them, themselves. They're, they're keeping themselves together by themselves with one language and one common speech. There was diversity in creation. In Genesis 11, the people of Babylon were moving away from diversity. They were trying to be unified. There's diversity in God's creation. Different creatures that are distinct from one another. And yet, the people in, in Babel in Genesis 11, are doing everything they can to run away from diversity, to protect themselves from diversity, to be unified as one people group. Not only are the people of, of Babel trying to, to build a city to make a name for themselves, they also try to build a tower that reaches the heavens. Now, towers in ancient cultures, also known as, as ziggurats, were, were built by people to, to reach the heavens, to be built high and be polarizing uh, amidst their city. The, these buildings, these towers, these temples, they, they were being built by people in order to get to God. The, the building wasn't just a representation of, of just the 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 grandness of a, a people group or the grandness of a city, but they, it was literally used to reach the heavens so that they would have access to God. And so the people here in Genesis 11 are, are, are building a city, but they're also building a tower. Why? So they can make a name for themselves, so they could have access to God. To gain access to someone means that you're in. To gain access to someone means that you're somebody yourself. You've been validated, you are recognized, you are known. It means that you are somebody. You have a name. 
they built this tower so that they could have access to God, but they've also built the city and the tower so that they would be known, so that they could make a name for themselves. Now, I know what you might be thinking. How does the people in Genesis 11 building a city and building a tower relate to us today? We, we don't build towers and temples to the heavens so that we can gain access to God, right? You know, during the pandemic, there's very limited things to do when we're at home with our families and our friends. Um, so, you know, me and my roommates, you know, we're big sports fans and, and we're watching sports all the time. And, and uh, you know, one thing I've noticed over the years is whenever you're watching sports on TV uh, and then the, the game cuts back from the commercial break, what, 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 what do they show you? What do these networks show you? They show you the city that the game is being played. They show you the skyline and the buildings and the monuments of, of the city where this game is being played. And what, and what does that represent? They're showing us the, the prosperity or the success or the value of that city. They're, they're showing you the awesomeness and the grandness of that city. The buildings and the monuments and the skyline in each city represents what? It represents success. It represents recognition, it represents value, it represents worth. Here in Philadelphia, what is the tallest building in our city? It's the Comcast Center. And the Comcast Center, the, the building itself represents success and it, it represents the American dream. It represents the fact that you've made it. We know the name of that building. We know the name of that company. We're still building towers and monuments in our lives today. What are the towers and monuments that you're building? What, what is it that you're creating in order to give yourself a name? We all want to be validated. We all want recognition. We all want to be somebody. We all want to make a name for ourselves. Our careers, our money, our relationship, our status, our success. If I have these things, then I'll be somebody. Then I'll be validated. Then I'll have a name. But you see, these things were never meant to give you true joy and true peace and true happiness. Rather, these things take away from your joy, it takes away from your peace, and takes away from your happiness. These things were never meant to give you a true name. We're called to be fruitful, but instead we're fruitless. We're called to increase in number and multiply, but instead we're divided with God and divided with one another. We're called to fill the earth and subdue it, but instead we settle and become subdued by the world. All that we do, all the effort that we put in to make a name for ourselves, actually take away from your value. It takes away from your worth. It takes away from your identity and it takes away from your name. But God gives you a name and it's the greatest name that there is. But you can't work for it, you can't earn it. You can only receive it. This leads us to our third and final point. 
God's solution? What's God's solution? What does God do in Genesis 11 and why? How does God give us a solution to our problem? When we look at verse five, it says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. Look at the irony here in verse five. The people in Genesis 11, the Babylonians, built a city and built a tower so they could reach the heavens. They built this tower so that they could gain access to God, so that they could make a name for themselves. And yet God still had to come down from heaven to just see what they were doing. All that effort, all that work that the people put in to build this tower wasn't enough. God still came down. We can't work our way up to God. God has to come down in order for us to give us access. So God comes down to see what they're doing and he says to himself, we need to, we need to stop these people from, from building their city and their tower. If they continue to, to live the way that they're living, they're gonna be further and further away from me. They're gonna lose my relationship with them. They're gonna lose my presence and they're gonna continue to build for themselves and forget my command and mandate. And so what does God do? God disperses them by confusing their one language. Do you see what God is doing here? God called his people to be diverse from the very beginning, to scatter the earth, fill the earth, and even though in God's people's disobedience, God still graciously passes judgment where they actually fulfill what, they, what he originally commanded them to do. And so the people dispersed and they scattered. You know, for the Babylonians in this moment when their language was confused, they had no idea what was going on. This should give us comfort in our situation today. Right now, we're asking ourselves, why are we going through what we're going through? What, what, what is the reason for this pandemic? I can't give you a good answer for that. But the fact of the matter is, God is in control of all things. And he moves in our lives and in our world for a purpose. Maybe one day, years from now, we can look back on this time and, and, and see more clearly what God was doing in this period. But for now, with all our fear, with all our anxiety, with all our worries, be comforted by God's goodness and grace and the fact that he is active and present in your life today. So God came down to where the people were and he saw the city and the tower that they were building and he confused their language and they scattered. Look at the grace of God in his punishment and his judgment here in Genesis 11. Because God confused their language, the people scattered. Up to this point, the people had disregarded God's command and mandate. And yet through God's gracious judgment and punishment, they actually fulfill this mandate and command. Not by their will, but by God's. Even in God's judgment and punishment, he is gracious. Centuries after the Tower of Babel, 
God would again pass on his judgment and his punishment for mankind's sin and disobedience. Only this time, he took on the judgment and punishment himself. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, humbled himself by coming down from heaven to earth. And instead of remaining in God's presence, Jesus left God's presence. Instead of remaining in heaven, Jesus came down to earth. He came down to earth becoming weak, becoming human. He was born in the lowest of places. He was born in a manger. And throughout his life, although he was Lord and although he was king over all things, he became Emmanuel. He became God with us, God dwelling with his people. He traveled and scattered with his disciples to heal the sick and cast out demons. He reached the unreached and taught about his kingdom while building up his kingdom. But what Jesus did on the cross trumped all that Jesus did in his life and in his ministry. Jesus came down to earth not to be built up, but to be torn down. And on the cross, Jesus gave up his life and died for the very ones who put them there. Me and you. On the cross, Jesus took on God's judgment and God's punishment for sin, losing his access to God the Father so that we can gain access to the Heavenly Father. Jesus was completely shut out from God, casted out so that we can be brought in. Jesus gave up his name as a son so that we can be named as children of God. We have a name. We have a name. But our name isn't earned, it's not worked for, it's only received. On the cross, Jesus completely emptied himself so that you could be filled by his spirit. In Acts chapter two, what happens? We, we see the account of the story of Jesus' apostles and disciples. And in Acts chapter one, Jesus ascends to heaven from earth. But in Acts chapter two, he doesn't leave us alone. He sends his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit dwells with his followers. And so today, will you reconsider as you enter in a new year, reorient yourself to the goodness of the gospel. Jesus has given you a purpose. We have a problem when we trust in ourselves and rely in our own abilities. Trust in the finished work of Jesus. Let's pray.